1: Welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast with me, Tally Rye. This is the podcast that helps you have a feel-good relationship with fitness, food, and body image. And we're sticking on the topic of body image this week as I am joined by body Peace coach, Nina Manelson. Now, Nina has written one of my favorite poems on the topic of body image and one that she actually does an incredible live read for us today, it's called "I Feel Fat." I think it's going to resonate so much. But we touch on so much in this episode about body image, about how we deal with the desire to want to lose weight when you're on this kind of body acceptance journey, and we just really understand and dig deeper into kind of what's going on for people when we have a lot of kind of distress and and tension around our body image. So I really think you're going. Going to love this one Nina is incredible but before we get into that it is time for this week's train happy trooper of the week this week's train happy moment comes from Lou and Lou says hi Tally I was listening to your podcast the other day and you popped into my mind just as I thought of my train happy moment recently I've been working part-time because life's too short to slave over a job three years ago I would have used my time to go to the gym and get that gym gal booty but the thought of going to the gym now sounds so boring. I now realise I would much rather develop skills mentally and physically rather than lift weights repetitively. Like you said the least important thing about a person is the way they look. This week the sun has been so lovely that I've walked to work every day but my real train happy moment happened this weekend when I sacked any form of traditional exercise off and decided to diy my new chest of drawers i tell you what sanding and painting is definitely exercise let's just hope my boyfriend doesn't mind the chest of drawers being painted baby pink lou i love this train happy moment and i just i really get such a good vibe from and your just whole vibe and energy from your messaging is just wonderful I love that you are prioritizing things that bring you joy and that you are learning that you are more interesting than the way you look and that is actually so apt for today's episode that is so on theme for the podcast as a whole but I love that you've really driven that home and you've used that time and energy into painting your chest of drawers pink which I, I'm sure your boyfriend has to get on board with. Um, But you've really, you know, done something that really makes you feel good in so many ways. So thank you so much for sharing that train happy moment. If you have a train happy moment that you would like to share on the podcast, send us a text, send us a voice note. We want to hear from you. You can text voice note to our WhatsApp. It is If you're international, then put a plus four four in front of that and we would love to hear from you. But enough from me, it is time to get into this week's incredible conversation with Nina Mandelson. Nina, welcome to the Train Happy Podcast. People may recognize you from another podcast that I was a part of, the Fit and Fearless Podcast, but you're, this is your first time on the Train Happy Podcast and I'm unbelievably excited for the listeners to get to know you and get to hear your work because it's really special.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you, I'm so touched by that. And um, I am delighted because I am just a huge supporter of all that you stand for and so impressed and delighted that you exist in this world doing the work that you do, truly.
1: Thank you. That really, really means a lot because you have been doing this work a long time. You have been in this space for like over 30 years, am I right?
0: I have. I've been working with women and their relationship with their body for 30 years. And I actually started as a massage therapist having my hands on women every day and really helping them feel safe in their own bodies. And what would come up is their body story and all the trauma and all the shame. Mm. And that's how, and I was like, oh, wow, this is a lot. And I finally went to my supervisor and I said, I feel like I'm doing therapy with people. And she said, you are. And I said, I think I'm going to go back to school. So I went back and for a graduate degree and became a therapist. And so then I was doing body-centered psychotherapy, but still I was struggling with my relationship with my own body and food. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to get a nutrition degree. I'm going to be a health coach. I'm going to learn everything there is to know about all the foods and all the things and eat the right way. And all that did was dig me deeper into disordered eating. And I was like, okay, this is not the path. But there is a way to combine this sense of connection to self and connection to food and connection to body, right? This whole relationship perspective. And that's how I started really starting to do body piece work. And I dove deeply into psychology of eating, body trust work, intuitive eating. And it really morphed into the work that I do with women now, which is creating a relationship with their body and food that feels like that place where we can exhale, where it feels good.
1: I love all of that that you've pulled from so many kind of other things and learn about other things. We talk about intuitive eating here a lot. People may be aware of like body trust, but body peace. What kind of differentiates body peace Mm -hmm. and your approach in what you do? I feel like you you get to pull from clearly so many different pools of experience and education and all the rest of it.
0: Yeah. So, what makes body peace body peace? is a little bit that it's not body war, because we all know what that is, right? That, oh gosh, I can't believe I ate it. What should, what diet should I go on, right? I hate my body. If I could just get my abs to look a certain way, right? That's the war. It's also not body love. As much as I love body love, I love the idea mm. of being body positive. I am all over it. It's too aspirational, for so many of us it's this la la land of like i every day i am going to look in the mirror and i am going to feel all that i am just going to love myself well that's not realistic i literally tried to affirm myself for 10 years in the mirror i love my body i love my body and all my body all the mirror did was laugh right back at me it was so painful so really jumping from that place of body shame and body hate to body love, it's not a flyover. It's not a, and now I get to like be rah-rah because like any relationship, right? You're married, you've had relationships with your sisters, your brothers, your parents. Not every relationship is love every second of the day. We go through the ups and downs and that is true for our relationship with our food and our body. What we really want is not body love. That's nice sometimes, fun, super cool, great. We want to feel positive sometimes, fantastic. But what we want is that feeling of, oh, I'm in this with you for the long haul. I know how to navigate the ups and downs of life because we all know life is not just this upward spiral of like, Sunny days, unicorns and rainbows. It's just not how it goes. So we need to know how to navigate it from a place of stability, from a place of peace.
1: I think that resonates with people so much. And you know, one of the questions I had from a listener called Ellie was saying that, how do I kind of love my body? Is, is, am I expected to just one day wake up and everything's great with food and great with my body and I never have any wobbles again? <laughs> what? you know, is that to be expected or is it normal to have wobbles? Now I'd love to hear your take on this. I have thoughts, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
0: So the way I see our relationship with our food and body, and by the way, I love that question so much because that's the belief, right? Because it comes from diet culture. You will lose your 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds, and then you'll stay there forever. Right. That's a belief that we were trained into by a $72 billion industry. Right. So we take that belief and we just splat it right on top of our, our desire to feel good in our body. But that's not how it works. What's very powerful about our struggles with our body and with our food is that they're doorways. They're doorways into what's going on with us, right? So if there's a day where you wake up and you're feeling a little wobbly and feeling like, oh, nothing fits right. Okay, let's look underneath that. Let's pop the hood on our disordered thinking, on our disordered eating. Let's pop the hood on our negativity, on our shame. Look underneath and go, hmm, What else is going on? Am I perhaps anxious, right? Am I perhaps um, hurt by something somebody said? Am I feeling stressed because I have 500 deadlines and I'm supposed to show up on the last day and present this thing to a group of people I don't know and suddenly I feel vulnerable and uh, I don't know how to control this. So you know what I do know how to control? My body and my food right? So what we want is to get into this place of curiosity. When we're in the wobbles, when we're in the weeds of, oh, I just wish my body could be different, or I can't believe I ate that. We want to bring curiosity with, and this is the really important with, self-compassion. Oh, look, look what's happening huh that's the curiosity the self-compassion is hmm oh honey there's something
1: going on here what's going on with me
0: right hand on our own heart what's happening here that's compassion
1: i think that's so important and when i work with people as well i always say Expect the body image wobbles, expect it. Because if you expect it, you don't panic. And I think people can feel like I've done so much work, I've made so much progress. Why am I thinking about dieting again? And exactly as you've said, the default has been dieting, turning all this discomfort you may feel in the world for whatever reason in on yourself, in on your body. How can I change my appearance? We know that's the known. Mm -hmm. And how to sit with the hard discomfort of, you know, maybe feeling triggered in some way by some what someone has said or, yes. you know, that's tough. And we don't have as much skill set for that, but we do know how to, to, to diet, to change our bodies, to kind of use that as this magic tool to fix everything. But as you said, that fixing is an illusion yeah. and it's not the magic wand you think it's going to be. And actually... You can do all the things and all this stuff that you're trying to control and make yourself feel better from is still there.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that you're speaking to, Tali, which is so important, is there's discomfort in life, right? And when we're feeling uncomfortable, oh, I know how to fix uncomfortable. Let me perseverate. Let me put my attention. Let me get really controlling about my food because then at least I can control something that I'm uncomfortable about and the trick here is to be like oh of course right there's the self-compassion of course I want to control things because I'm uncomfortable and I feel out of control and the work for us to do is how do we become comfortable with what's uncomfortable
1: that is the bigger piece of the puzzle I think so one thing that I would love you to share with us today is that as your work I mean you've you wear many hats in the sense that you've got obviously this big skill set to do the work you do, but you also write beautiful poems about your work. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite pieces that you have written is the poem, I Feel Fat. And mm-hmm. you shared it on Instagram, I think, well, probably four or five years ago now. And it's something that I come back to at least once a month um, with clients, with people to really drive home what we're discussing here I think yeah um would you be able to read that for us today
0: absolutely and Tali I don't know if you remember but when I was on the podcast fit and fearless there was you know this was before zoom and all of that and we and it was a little bit late in in starting and while I was waiting I wrote this poem no yes While I was waiting to talk to you.
1: Okay, well, there's clear synergy here. Clear synergy.
0: Okay. (laughs) This poem's called I Feel Fat. Sitting in my therapist's too soft sofa, I'd exclaim with deep despair, I feel fat. And patiently, week after week, she'd say, if you weren't feeling fat, what would you be feeling? It took me months to understand the question, what do you mean if I wasn't feeling fat? I do feel fat. I feel unacceptable. I should do something about the number on the scale. I should fix my non-perfect body. No, really, this is all about my size. I believed it until I didn't, until the cultural brainwashing started to thaw Fat is not a feeling. Fat is a size. It's a descriptor. Feeling fat is a placeholder. It's a placeholder for so many feelings that don't have words, feelings that don't have permission to be felt, feelings that don't know how to go out. So they just turn back on me and attack my self-worth. I decoded feeling fat. It means I feel sad, mad, disappointed, angry, overwhelmed, confused, uncomfortable, jealous, and every other feeling. And sometimes it was easier to feel fat. It's familiar. It's the known pain instead of the terror of the deeper feeling underneath the fat. But here's the secret. That deeper feeling has wisdom. It doesn't tear you to shreds. It doesn't disown your body. It invites you home. It invites you to your knowing, to your innate wisdom. So my question to you is, if you weren't feeling fat, what would you be feeling?
1: A bravo to Nina Mm. for an incredible reading of that. I have read that so many times. I feel like I know all the words. (laughs) But you say it so much better than I do and you give it such great meaning. And I think it's so powerful to say, if I w- weren't feeling fat, what would I be feeling?
0: You know, a few months ago, I was going to a girlfriend's weekend and my girlfriends that I was visiting were live in very, very small bodies. The week before I was going, I was getting dressed in the mornings and I would watch myself with this, oh, unhappiness. Like, oh, I wish my body was different, right? Basically, I feel fat. And so I was like, so if I weren't feeling fat, What would I be feeling? Oh, I'd be feeling like "Mm, a little uncomfortable that soon I will be the largest person in this room. Oh, oh, that's what you're feeling. You're getting a little bit uncomfortable and you're going to feel, you feel like you might be judged that somehow you're less than, right? So up comes when we say, if we weren't feeling fat, what would you be feeling? Up comes the feeling and underneath that comes often the irrational thought process around it. Then I'm able to bring in the rational process. Really? Is that true? Are you going to get judged by your size? You're like, you've known these women for years and years and years. They love you. You love them. You're hanging out for a weekend together because you want to. Is that really true? And I was like, well, no, it's not true. But I promised myself something. I said, if you're still feeling that way, when you go out of the get out of the car, when you go in to see them, if you still feel that way, name it. Name it with them because there are women who have done their work, who are evolved, who have their feelings. So it happened. I walked out of the car and I was tired. I'd stressed. I had a long drive, long work day. I was stressed about a million other things. So where did that stress show up? In how I was feeling in my body. So I walk in and I go, you know what? I'm just going to name it. I've been having a hard time with my body and feeling like you know, I'm bigger than both of you. And they were like, yeah, it happens. And we moved on because they don't buy it either. Mm. It doesn't actually mean anything. It's an old way that we think that is brought into our brain by diet culture. And this idea that thin is worthy, thin is sexy, thin is powerful, thin has social currency. It's not the truth.
1: Speaking for myself, like I'm in a curvier body than I have been. But I also recognize that that comes with a lot of kind of straight size privilege. I, you know, don't know what it's like to be in a larger body in a plus size body. And I think, you know, I can only imagine that people living in larger bodies can feel, like you say, will know what feeling fat means to them. Mm -hmm. And in the kind of story you're describing, you know, there's a part where They are fat in the sense that if they're kind of learning to own that and to understand that that is a neutral word, like you say, that is a descriptor word that that is, but also to understand what the loadedness has meant societally Mm -hmm. for, you know, for so long, fat has been used as such an insult that our biases have really fed into that word feeling really cruel. And through reclaiming that word, it's tough and it's it's challenging to be able to express that. And I think even in that situation, for someone perhaps living in a larger body, society has told them their body is a problem. Mm-hmm. Society's made it very clear about how it treats larger bodies. And also, there's the point that you say. I think that there's also a coded level there, and that if you're able to speak that with friends to to vocalize that to communicate that it helps release that kind of shame that fat phobia thrives on that diet culture thrives on but also if your friends are thinner in that instance it's tricky I think because maybe they don't get it you know what are you, what are your thoughts on that sort of scenario?
0: So uh, what you're saying about naming the shame is so important, mm-hmm. right? This is, Brene Brown has tons of research on this, right? Shame thrives in being in the dark, right? So if I walked into that weekend situation just feeling bad and feeling ashamed that my body did not measure up to their bodies in my diet mind, in my diet culture mind, then it gets in the way of intimacy. It gets in the way of connection. It gets in the way of me being authentic and real with friends that I really care about. Do they understand what it is to deal with disordered eating, to deal with body image issues? No. But they do understand what it is to have shame. Because people of all sizes have shame about something. right? Shame is unfortunately a common denominator, right? People have shame about their relationships and how that's going and they don't talk about it. People have shame about money. People have shame about the kind of clothes they wear. People have shame, right? So as soon as we name, oh, I'm having shame, well, uh, okay, let's just bring that out into the light and it dissipates because we're in the commonality of human condition, not always feeling like we're perfect because we're actually human beings. Mm. And so that's somewhere we can actually ally.
1: And for the friends of the people who are in large bodies and maybe they're not in large bodies themselves, I would refrain from in that scenario saying like, you know, they say like, oh, I just, I feel bigger than you. I feel like, oh, you're not, you're
0: not. Um, you look you're not great. You're beautiful. You're no, yes. Ugh, I hate
1: those comments. It's it's really invalidating of how someone's feeling, especially when someone's like, objectively, I am in a larger body. Mm-hmm. So just validate the fact that that is true. Yes. And also that means I may feel shame. I may feel um, discomfort. Yeah. And please don't feel shy. You know, if you're a friend of someone, validate them and say, like, I may not understand, but I I'm here with you and I wanna mm-hmm. like sit with your discomfort with you. Yeah. You know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the friends that I was actually visiting when she said, Yeah, it happens. And she and then she launched into, Oh, I had a huge shame attack this week. I was at a conference and then I said this thing, and then oh my gosh, I couldn't let it go. I just was shaming myself. I shouldn't have said that. People have shame attacks and we, and I was like, oh yes, I totally get, you know, when you have, you put yourself out big and it didn't come out exactly the way you wanted and maybe people misunderstood, right? It's, it's resonating with somebody's experience of shame. Yes. I see you in discomfort. Yes. Life is imperfect. Yes. You are uncomfortable. And we can be with Mm. that. We don't have to buy into the everything is perfect narrative.
1: Yeah, everything's great. You're beautiful. (laughs) This is great. Yeah, yeah. like life, it's not all roses. Mm -mm. And I think naming that is huge. It's so huge. So one of the biggest questions I get on this topic, and I'm sure you experience all the time with people you work with, is people having the desire to lose weight wanting to lose weight, and also wanting to kind of let go of diet culture, find peace with their body, find peace with food. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Can those things coexist? Do you – how do you navigate that? Because I I always think it's it's a tricky one.
0: It it is. So um, I want to tell you a story. So I was out to dinner with a friend of mine. We were having Mexican food. Somebody who's known me for a long time, she knows exactly that I am a body piece coach. She knows my work. And she says to me, But Nina, what if I just want to lose weight? And I was like, Okay, I hear you. So think about it this way. So I picked up an empty plate on the table and I said, okay, let's let's put let's put losing weight on this plate. And let's put it right in front because that's what you want. You want to lose weight. Let's put it right in front of you. Okay, but if you lose weight then what do you get? Oh, she says, I would feel better about myself. Great. So I took the plate of guacamole, put it behind. So if you finish, if you get finish this first plate, this weight loss plate, then you get to the guacamole. Then you get to feel good about yourself. I was like, and if you feel good about yourself, what are you going to do? She's like, well, I would move more. Great. So let's put that there. I put the chips there. So if you lose weight, then you get the guacamole, then you get the chips, right? If you lose weight, then you get to feel better, then you move more. Okay, then what? What would you get? She says, then I would actually feel like I was really nourishing myself well. I would feel like I was truly an ally for myself. I was like, great, let's put salsa there to represent you would feel like you were being on your side. It's like, here's the problem with this lineup. You never get past the first plate of weight loss because the way weight loss goes is I'm great. I want to lose weight. What's the latest, greatest diet? I'm going to go on that. This is awesome. Look at me. I'm losing weight. Let me take selfies. Let me show the world. Oh, no, I can't keep this up. This is not working out as well as I thought. This feels restrictive and my inner rebel, my desire for autonomy is starting to rear her wonderful head and now I'm eating whatever the heck I want and I'm feeling shame. Oh, and now I feel really like a failure. Now I'm ne- never going to show up on social media, take a selfie again. I'm going to hide at the back of the picture and now here I am once again looking for the diet. So I'm stuck on this plate. Do I get to feeling good about myself? Do I get to moving more? Do I get to feeling like an ally? No, I never get to the guacamole, the chips or the salsa because I'm stuck on the freaking weight loss plate. I don't get anything more. So if I take that plate and just move it to the side, right? Just like, let's move that away. Suddenly, oh, I want to feel good about myself. I want to have that plate of guacamole. Great. What are the things that I know to do for myself? What are the supports that I need to start changing the relationship with my body? Do I want to be around women who I feel are more supportive and who aren't having the diet talk? Do I want to work with a body peace coach? Do I want to start changing this relationship? Great, so now I'm starting to feel better about myself. I want to start moving. Great, do I want to work with somebody like Tali? Do I want to, what do I want to be doing to support myself in more movement? Ah, and now, so great, cool. Now I'm on the chips plate. Then I feel like I'm being on myself, on my side. I feel like I'm being a true ally to myself. And all of that becomes available because we got rid of, of the stupid stuck plate of, I need to get weight loss first to have what I actually want. And that's just not true. It doesn't mean that we don't want weight loss. Sure. You can want what you want. You can want whatever the heck you want in this world, but wanting it and getting stuck in that loop is not helping you get what you actually need in your life.
1: And like, as you say, you can do all of those things without having to have that weight loss plate in the equation.
0: Absolutely. And that weight loss plate just undermines you getting all those other things.
1: Also recognizing like it's so normal and understandable that you want to lose weight in this society. Like it's so understandable, Mm -hmm. especially if we link it to what we have just spoken about in the sense of what feeling fat means. Wanting to lose weight is another way of trying to reduce that discomfort, reduce, you know, changing your body. I think it's not cool to want to diet these days and we dress it up in every different type of language. It's a lifestyle change. I'm doing this for my health. I'm, you know, whatever. And you know what? You may make lifestyle changes and you may lose weight as that might happen, but it Mm -hmm. also might not. And it might stay the same. And, you know, putting that pressure on yourself, I think adds another component to what it means to kind of look after yourself. And like I said, it's not going to diet anymore. So we have to change the language. (laughs) um, And we have to be, you know, maybe tell ourselves that it's not what it is. But it's so interesting, isn't it, that we are still trying to find ways to, to kind of deal with that discomfort that, like I said, we have just not not had the education on growing up. Um, And we've seen our parents and our caregivers that when shit hits the fan for them, that they have probably leaned on dieting. They have leaned on controlling food. They have leaned on self-hatred or negative comments around their body. And so we just keep repeating the same cycles. I think we're trying to call it something different at the moment, but I, I really think we're repeating the same cycles.
0: And really to get to this place of saying, I want a different relationship with my body and food. And fundamentally mm. that what we're looking for is a relationship, right? What we've been taught by our society, by the people who raised us, by our schools, by all, all of these places that are supposed to be supportive is that somehow we're a project that needs to be managed. yeah, Right? And that you need to manage yourself and get into control. But that doesn't feel good in any relationship, right? We're always going to push back on someone saying, this is how you need to do it. Because we're autonomous, we're strong, we're capable humans. So having someone say, no, this is the right way doesn't feel good. So fundamentally, the paradigm shift that we're shifting to is I'm having an actual relationship with my body. I'm having a relationship with my food. And how do I change that relationship? Just like, and often when I'm traveling and people say, what do you do? You know, if I say I'm a body peace coach, that goes right over their head. So I say, I am a therapist. I'm a couples counselor, except instead of working with a woman and her partner, I work with a woman and her body. Because that's what we're doing. We are changing the dynamics within a relationship. and. What we've been taught about how to do that relationship doesn't actually serve us, right? Same as when we're taught about, you know, romance. Oh, it's always going to be, every day is going to be, you know, roses, rose petals on your bed and dinner's out. That's not an actual real relationship. And nor is a real relationship with your body super controlling all the time. It doesn't feel good. It's not sustainable. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend.
1: Mums the Word is a brand new parenting podcast hosted by me, Ashley James. Pregnancy, piles and all the other problems that come with parenting, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Join me each week on my journey through motherhood as we celebrate the amazing highs as well as the lows. As it's my first time, we'll have celebrities, experts and hopefully you guys too who will help me figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Find us wherever you got this podcast. When you're working with people, I imagine, and this was a question that came in while we're kind of on the topics of relationships, (laughs) like I think a big part of feeling more comfortable and confident in your body is that of feeling attractive to your partner and how I think feeling like connected to yourself and especially on like an intimacy level one of the questions from a listener who will remain anonymous is how can you gain confidence in your body when being intimate with someone and I think Mm -hmm. body image and intimacy is something we haven't spoken enough about on this podcast and I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you work with clients on navigating that and and helping them feel yeah better in their bodies in that instance
0: so s- there's so many things to unpack in this. I love this conversation because yeah. I have it with so many of my clients who are like, but I then I have to get naked. So, yes. what am I going to do then? Right? Or women talking about how o- their whole sexual experience is trying to position themselves so that their belly isn't hanging in a certain way or their arms aren't f- flowing in a certain way, right? So all of the or self it's
1: always co- being in the dark all under right. the covers, yes. all kind of just never seen. Right.
0: I can't get visible. This body can't be seen. I have worked with women who have been married for decades and decades and, and are still, no, no, I can't get naked because what about the judgment that would come my way? I would love to share. I wrote a poem. It's called Don't Touch My Belly. And it's absolutely about that. And then we can Unpack it a little oh, bit, please, if that's okay. Please, so I'll just be really vulnerable. This is completely my story. Just as absolutely, a, most of, m- many of my po- my body piece poems come out of um, my stories or s- my clients' stories, but this one, a hundred percent me. We were in bed together, touching all the places for delight, but out of my mouth came, "Don't touch my belly," and I moved his hand away away from the part of me that I thought was too big, too much, not flat enough, not appealing. My mind had been seduced into sensation, was suddenly trapped in self-criticism. Self-consciousness took me out of my body. I lost my own experience of aliveness. I lost connection to my mate, to the moment, to myself. Society's absurd ideals of what is sexy got into bed with me. I want to say, I now say, get the hell out of my bed, out of my body. This pleasure is mine. This belly is mine. And then I put his hand on my belly because that's sexy too.
1: Yes, it's such a... Oh, it's such a thing. And I relate to this in the sense that early on in my relationship, feeling so much more self-conscious about my body and ironically much smaller than I am now. I've never felt more comfortable in that, like being in the biggest size I have ever been since I've known Jack and being in a bigger body and being completely okay with him seeing me naked, like seeing me I mean, I think when you're, we've been together nine years and I think sometimes when I wake up on a Saturday morning and I think you've, you've literally seen me (laughs) in every which way at this point, Mm -hmm. um, there's no, there's nothing to hide here, um, but it's felt so, you know what, it's felt as we've spoken about, as I've put more emphasis on who I am and less on what I look like. I've actually felt more connected to my body. Mm-hmm. I felt more present mm-hmm. in intimate moments, yeah. and I'll be honest, it's only got better. Yes, so it's only improved. And I would say before I used to have such doubt and the shame attacks that you spoke about, that would happen a lot, and now I've let go of that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, my body in in some ways, if you ask me, like eight years ago, my body is you know eight year eight years ago, me's worst version you know worst possible thing, and yet, in my mind, the worst happened. I gained weight, and yet it was fine <laughs> and uh, it was all okay, and actually, it's never impacted that part of our relationship because I haven't let it, yes, you know, I've slowly learned to just be because I know. Like we said before, like the relationship was built on so much more than, than that. I recognize that so many people are not there, but I wanted to say this as like a, I wanted to say this as a kind of story of like, you can do it Mm -hmm. because, you know, I overcame it and I want you to overcome it too. But for the people who are so not there where do we start with that
0: yeah so there's so oh, we could we could honestly talk about this for hours and hours and hours and one of the we'll things probably that, have to do
1: a part 2 Nina. <laughs> we're going to
0: have to do a part 2 we'll just talk about sex it's really fun so mm. one of the things that you're speaking about right is as i became comfortable with my body my sensation became more available to me right and yes. that is and when we're more available to sensation we're more available to pleasure. Well, then we're, you know, then sex is really fun if we're in the pleasure boat. If we're in a place of shame and shutting down sensation, it's hard to have a really good time, right? Now, this whole piece around sensation is really crucial in this puzzle because as we develop a relationship with our body, we're developing a relationship to the way our body speaks. How does our body speak? The language of our body is sensation, right? Now, when we're in diet culture and, oh no, I shouldn't eat this. No, 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 I don't want to eat that. We are literally shutting down sensation. I am not hungry. No, I am not tired. I'll just power through with coffee. No, I do not feel this way. And so we are taking sensation and just closing the door. Now, if we close the door on sensation, it's not just hungry sensations. It's not just tired sensations that gets the door closed on. It's also pleasure. So as we reclaim our relationship with our body as she is, not the future body, not the past body, right? That's what I call being body current in this body. As we reclaim the relationship with our current body, oh, now I'm starting to learn her language. And now hmm, things get sort of juicy and fun because I can feel, right? And as we get connected to sensation, up comes, oh, this sensation says, I, could you move a little this way? And can you touch over there a little more? Right? We, our sensations have needs, And then we get more vocal about what our needs are in an intimate relationship and then it becomes very, very fun because it becomes a real dance, a real conversation.
1: Yeah, and so much of, we talk about, I talk about so much how diet culture disconnects us from feeling so much within the context of exercise. I talk about that a lot, how we don't really know our own kind of boundaries and you know what's too much or what's too little with movement because we're so attuned to just listening to what someone else tells us to do and you're right that erosion happens in so many aspects and it certainly happens happens to us sexually as well because you're right like if you don't know your hunger and fullness and then you don't know your sensations for movement like how are you going to know your sensations how are you going to feel turned on and like feel all that stuff because yes. you don't and You know, you're making me realize a lot of things about healing my own relationship with food and movement. And like I said, there was just a long period of time where I was so disconnected from everything and Mm -hmm. everything was just like going through the motions. The older I've gotten, and like I said, with weight gain as well, like has come so much trust and connection with myself in so many other aspects that I now have the, my, my body trusts me around food. My body trusts me around movement. And now it trusts me in that area too. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It's so, it's just like, what a huge benefit. Like if there was not a bigger incentive for doing this work, (laughs) guys, you're going to have, you're going to just have an amazing time, you know, whether it's with yourself, whether it's with a partner, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, like what an incentive. Literally, we live in a body that can experience pleasure. Let's, let's. Like if it's a car, like this is a car designed for you know these kind of wonderful zippy highways that are super fun. Let's take this car, our body, not the best analogy, and take her out for a drive. <laughs> See what she can really do. Mm. Right? Instead of like, oh get no. into fifth gear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There you go. Um, That's your next book, Tali. Get into fifth gear. Yeah,
1: get into fifth gear. Yeah, great <laughs> title. Great title. <laughs> there are so many big events that happen in our life, but I think one that uh, pe- that women certainly experience is pregnancy and how that can be such a big yeah. thing. Can be such a, a a tough time if you have felt vulnerable around your, you know, your your relationship with your body has perhaps felt fragile. That going through pregnancy can really bring up so much stuff. You know, what do you think about that? And how can people who are pregnant listen just really bring comfort to themselves and, you know, have have some tools in their pocket to kind of navigate the understandable wobbles that are probably going to happen.
0: Yeah. So there's it's interesting, there's Two parts of there's many parts, but there's two parts of pregnancy that I really hear about a lot. One is, oh, when I was pregnant, I took such beautiful care of myself. Yes. Right?
1: Suddenly- And it can be such a impetus, isn't it? To, to actually, right, I'm going to be kind to myself now. This is not just about me.
0: Exactly. And it's so important to notice that when it's not just about me, Suddenly I eat when I'm hungry. I keep my blood sugar stable. I make sure I have snacks. I don't, I feed myself. Yes. Like literally and metaphorically, I nourish myself deeply. So that's one thing to learn from. The other piece is on the flip side is I've had a baby and now I'm supposed to bounce back. And that is a whole can of worms to unpack. One is our culture saying that we're supposed to look like we did before we had a baby in two seconds. And the other is the internal idea of, oh, I am going to reclaim, I'm going to get my body back. Right. I'm actually working on a poem about that right now. This idea, because I hear that statement a lot. I'm going to get my body back as though we're like fighting something that no, we have a body that's been through something very major growing another human. So we're not actually ever going to get that body back. That body before it didn't have a child didn't grow a child, didn't possibly have a miscarriage, didn't possibly have a C-section, a tear, right? All these things. No, that body that you want to like claw back to didn't go through that. So really we're not getting that body back, but what's the relationship with this body and how do we bring care and kindness? And what we learned about, caring for ourselves so deeply when we were caring for a newborn, a new life.
1: And I think with pregnancy and especially that, that kind of bounce back mentality that you speak of is how so many people, and I saw someone write something about this on Instagram the other day, like I'm finally getting back to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is to me a signpost that we need to acknowledge I know this is this is I have not experienced pregnancy but there needs to be an acknowledgement of like things are different your life has changed dramatically you are you've not only grown a life but you are then supporting a life especially for breastfeeding it feels like very Mm -hmm. invasive on your body and from what I understand from people's experience that that can feel really like oh I I don't I feel you know this body feels like this child sort of feeding Mm -hmm. I feel you know your body's Teeth, not your like own.
0: Yes. A yeah, lot of people feel, feel your own. Right. And so people have that experience. I want to get my body back, but really you are in this relationship with another being that is depending on you for nourishment. So it does change things, right? And I do, what you're speaking to is this idea. And I really see Um, pregnancy and being a mother as a developmental shift. We talk a lot about adolescence as being a developmental shift or babies, children walking as a big developmental shift. But really for women, I see motherhood as a very large developmental shift and it's not spoken about in our culture.
1: Because like we said, I think the recurring theme of this episode is that When you're saying, I want my body back, I think that's actually a big uh, statement that is probably saying like, I miss my old life yeah, and things have changed and I love this child and I love what I've been able to do and it's tough. I'm exhausted. Yes, I, you know, I want to feel, I want to feel a little bit like my previous self because I feel this is a big shift in identity for me big shift in identity and I think it's really understandable we say that and so like we say the natural instinct is to go well if I just get back to the size I was prior to baby then maybe I'll feel a bit more myself and I think like with all of this stuff that is a band-aid on a much deeper issue that it's something that if you're able to speak about journal about work with people like Nina about that actually there's so much more power in releasing that part of it than the, the like, oh, I just need to drop the dress size.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. And it's coming to terms, again, with this idea that all bodies change. We do. yeah All humans change. And of course, that desire I want to go back to is I have needs that are not being met, right? Or there are parts that I feel that I want to incorporate in my current life. But we can't go back. And we're always changing. And so does our body always, always change. When I often do a workshop with women and ask them, go through every five years, what was your body like? What was your body like? What was your body like? And then I ask them, what is the thing that you notice when you look at this list? And they're like, my body's always changed. And I've always been fighting the change, except from when I was zero to twelve. And frankly, I started fighting it when I was nine. Our body deserves respect for all that she goes through, for all the changes, and for all of the desires we have.
1: I think one of the biggest changes as well that does not get spoken about enough is menopause and how that can be such a ride for people experiencing that and Mm -hmm. the impact that has on their body image. Yeah,
0: Margot Maine talks about that there's two times in a woman's life where we're most susceptible to disordered eating, moving into fertility and out of fertility. Into fertility, right, teenage. Out of fertility is menopause, right? So in those times of big change, we go, oh my gosh, I need to control, I need to control. Very hard. And then disordered eating comes up.
1: And I think this is where people who experience menopause and in that kind of part of their life, you know, when you're a teenager, I think we know to look out for the signs of disordered eating. We know to look out for all of that. I think things get missed when you're older because- we associate disordered eating and eating disorders, especially with kind of a young, thin white teenager, (laughs) you know, or like young young adults. And we've, we kind of, I think there's this like, we've forgotten that there's this, these other group of women who are particularly susceptible um, to that period in their life. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we need support. It's important to acknowledge in those moments, you know what, this isn't just a wobble in body image. This is a, I'm feeling unstable in my relationship with my body. I'm feeling unstable in my relationship with my food. I need support at this moment.
1: The underlying, I think that the underlying thing is like, you, we all need support and people deserve support. And yes. I think if you're feeling like, oh, you know, I am struggling, things are feeling strained around food, around my body. You know, I would only encourage people to find people to work with in the space, people like yourself who, you know, are able to support them. Because I think a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I'm not that bad, it's not that bad. But if it's even a slightly bit mm-hmm. tough, like that's valid. You you deserve it just as much as anyone else.
0: Yes, absolutely. And and I really encourage people because I work with women of all ages and some of the women who are in their 60s, 70s and 80s have come to me and said, have come to me and said, please Nina, I just don't wanna die hating my body. Don't wait that long. Don't. If you're struggling, and this would be like my sort of final thing of like what I would want people to hear, If you're struggling with your relationship with your body, if you're struggling with your relationship with your food, it doesn't have to be that way. It can change, right? If you were in an abusive relationship, you would get help. If the relationship, even if it wasn't abusive, wasn't a relationship you loved so much, you would get help. Your relationship with your body and food is vital in terms of you feeling truly good in life and you deserve support.
1: Absolutely, I can only concur. Um, Before we wrap up, I ask everyone, Nina, what has been the most recent train happy moment? And this can be a moment with movement or trusting your body Mm -hmm. or kind of rejecting diet culture. What has that moment been for you recently?
0: It's actually been a process of, of three years. So I swim, I am a swimmer. I've always been a swimmer. And I decided I wanted to do ocean swimming And then I said to my brother, who's quite the athlete, I can't do ocean swimming. It's not working for me. I'm just getting mouthfuls of water. He said, Nina, you need to start to learn how to breathe on the other side. So I learned how to breathe to come up out of the water facing my right. He said, you have to be able to breathe both sides in an ocean. So if the waves are coming at you, you breathe the other direction. I was like, no, I can't do that. I've been conditioned Right. So listen to that. Right. I've been conditioned. Mm. I've been trained to breathe one way. And he was like, just start. And it's taken me three years and I can breathe. It's called bilateral breathing. I can breathe both sides. Did I look like I was a whale breaching every time I tried to breathe on my left side <laughs> in the beginning? Yes. I was like, <gasps> I'm like fighting for my life for a breath. I literally had to say to myself, each time I turned to my left, breathe, and I, my arm would pull up like, like it was like a whale, like coming out of the water. And now it's more elegant. It's a There's more grace to my swim, but I can breathe both sides. And to me, that is patience. That is compassion. That is a change in the relationship of movement with my body that I wanted. Does it take time? Yes. Was it awkward at first? Yes. Did I have all my swim teacher friends look at my stroke and give me advice? Yes. Did I go to swim clinics? Yes, right? I got help because I wanted to swim in the ocean, right? I wanted to feel free that way. And we all get to do that. Does it take some work? Yeah. Is it worth it? 100%.
1: I love that. You're doing it. You're swimming in the ocean. It's Mm -hmm. worth it. You've in the time. You've in the energy. Absolutely. Nina, this has been such a pleasure. I think I just can only imagine that this episode is really going to resonate with people where can they find you, support you, read more of your beautiful poetry? Mm. Where can they, yeah, find your work?
0: So the easiest place is my website, bodypeacewithnina.com. And there, there's some really powerful free resources. One of them is a masterclass that really talks about the relationships, the different relationships we have with our body and how they can change. Um, And I have a journal there which has more of the poems in it as well as 20 questions that I would ask you if you were sitting in my office or sitting on zoom with me right to really get curious about your own relationship with your body and exciting I have a body piece app which is brand new so if you're on the
1: amazing yeah
0: you can go to the your apple or google play and look for body dash piece and I'm there
1: amazing I love that you're bringing this work to literally at the touch of a button I think that's really powerful to reach so many more people so oh all the best with everything Nina this has been like I said a really incredible conversation and I'm so grateful for your time thank you so much
0: thank you Tali my total pleasure
1: that is it for this week's episode of the train happy podcast thank you so much for listening i hope you took something away from this episode and if you did please do let us know on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Podcast, And we do want to hear from you. We want your questions. We want to hear your train happy moments. And we'd love to feature you as train happy trooper of the week. So remember, you can get in touch with us via our WhatsApp. It is 07599 927 537. And whatever podcast platform you're choosing to listen to us on, please rate and review. It really helps the show and it really helps spread the train a happy message. And that is it for this week. I'll be back with a brand new episode for you next Monday. See you then.